Well, I am continuing in the book of Acts, chapter 19. If you were with us two weeks ago, remember last week was Father's Day. We took a little deviation and preached the standalone message for Father's Day. We were talking about the seven sons of Sceva and how they attempted to cast the devil out of a man. And they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out of the man. And the evil spirit spoke through this demon-possessed man and said to the seven sons of one Sceva, they said, Jesus we know and Paul we know who are you? And then he jumped on, this demon-possessed man full of evil spirits, jumped on these seven sons of Sceva, beat them up, stripped them naked, and they fled beaten, battered, and bleeding. We're going to continue with that thought, and I'm going to talk to you about the authority of the believer, but my opening text is out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, so please, out of love and respect for the Word of God, stand to your feet. We'll begin in verse 17. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by in any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. God, we rejoice today, first and foremost, because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. For as many who have called upon the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, there's a place reserved for us in glory. And we rejoice. Nothing will change that. Our names shall not be blotted out of that book of life. Father, we thank you for the relationship that we have with your eternal kingdom. Thank you for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and help us to learn the important lessons that we will study today in the message that we may apply it to our lives. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated. Power is pointless unless you put it to good use. I remember hearing a story when I was in uh, the nation of uh, Kenya and one of the pastors there told me this uh, story of a bodybuilder uh, many, many, many years ago that went to a, a particular tribe in Africa, and he was showing off his physique. And uh, the chief of this tribe said, what do you do with all those muscles you have? And the bodybuilder thought, well, you know, instead of trying to explain it, he thought I would demonstrate it. So he took his shirt off, and he began to pose and flex for this, uh, this chieftain. And the chieftain watched, and he was uh, pretty fascinated by his physique. And when the bodybuilder was done, he said, do you do anything else with those muscles? He said, no, it's pretty much I, I work out to pose. And the chieftain said, what a waste. <laughs> you know, all that we are and all that we have in Christ Jesus, it's not so we just look good, it's so we can do good. It's not so we can be posers, right? Uh, that God has gifted you, anointed you, and blessed you, and he's given you authority, as Jesus mentions here in Luke's gospel chapter 10, so that we could use it to benefit others. And there's a difference. In the verses that we read, Jesus did not mince words. He said this. Let me remind you. He said to his disciples, to the 70 disciples that returned, there were 12 apostles, 70 disciples, and multitudes that followed Jesus. These 70 disciples that he had sent out two by two to preach the gospel, cast out devils and heal the sick, when they came back, they were utterly amazed at how demon spirits were subject to them in the name of Jesus Christ, unlike the seven sons of Sceva. Because the name of Jesus is not some magic charm. 
Uh, there's only power in that name if you are authorized and have authority to use that name. So they return, and they're like thrilled that demons were subject to them. And Jesus warned them about spiritual pride. He said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven, for, for I beheld Satan fall like lightning to the earth. In other words, if you're not careful, you could be lifted up in spiritual pride, and just like Satan or Lucifer was lifted up in spiritual pride and cast down, the same thing could happen to you. So be weary of that. Rejoice, rather, that your names are written in heaven. But Jesus said to them, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Notice that. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. There is a big difference between authority and power. Let me illustrate that. A female police officer could weigh 105 pounds, trying to apprehend a very large criminal. Now, that criminal, who might outweigh her by 200 pounds, has power over this 105-pound female police officer. He has power over her, but she has authority over him. That uniform, that badge represents authority, not just her authority, delegated authority, authority from the city, from the state, ultimately from the federal government. So there's a difference between authority and power. Satan has power, and you and I are no match for the devil's power. But you and I have something more greater than power. We have authority through the name of Jesus. Can we thank God that we have authority? in his name. Now, why is this important? Because we're in a warfare, a spiritual warfare. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We are in a spiritual battle. And unless we understand that we're in a spiritual battle, and unless we employ our spiritual weapons in this spiritual battle, we are going to continue to lose these battles. So the weapons we have are not carnal, but are mighty through God. So, in Acts 19, that story, verses 13 through 16, the seven sons of Sceva, they tried to use the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we adjure you, whom Paul preaches, come out of the man. And the evil spirit said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but we don't know you. In other words, you have no authority. And because you've not been authorized to use that name, we don't have to listen to you. We don't have to obey you. I remember I was in a demonology class, uh, a class, uh, a study on demons and evil spirits taught by Dr. Lester Summerall, one of my favorite spiritual mentors in my life. He's gone on to be with the Lord now many, uh, many couple of decades ago, a great, great man of God. I sat under his teaching, under his ministry, had the privilege of meeting him, having the, had the privilege of eat, sharing a meal with him along with some other pastors many, many years ago. Back in the 50s, he was sent by God as a missionary to the Philippines. And when he was living in the Philippines, just starting out his ministry, nobody was showing up. He was trying to launch a new church, and it was some uh, tough going initially. Uh, the soil, the spiritual soil, was very hard there in the Philippines at that particular time. He heard on a radio one day a news story locally, and he heard the most horrendous screech and screams coming through that radio. True story, true story. And they had recorded a demon-possessed woman by the name of Clarita Villanueva. She was incarcerated for crimes, and while incarcerated, began to have these demonic manifestations. She had superhuman strength. It would take several men to restrain her. Something unusual began to occur. Uh, out of nowhere, bite marks would appear with saliva on them before the very eyes of the, the correctional uh, 
people and the medical people that were there trying to analyze this particular case. They even, <laughs> they even uh, tested the saliva samples and determined that they were not of human or animal origin. So God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to Dr. Summerall and said, go pray for her and I will set her free. So he was able, as a foreign missionary, American missionary, to have access. He went in there, he prayed for her, and he cast the evil spirit out of her. She was remarkably, gloriously delivered and set free, saved and filled with the spirit. And that began, it sparked a revival in the Philippines. 150,000 Filipinos gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ because the mayor of, the, of Manila, after this incredible miracle, because this story went national, it went, it went global, right? It was interna- an international story, and it was causing a lot of heartache for the Filipino government at that time. After this incredible miracle, the mayor said, what do you want? I'll give you the key to our city. He said, I want downtown for a great revival. And thousands upon thousands showed up, and 150,000 uh, gave their life to Jesus. Can we thank God for the power of, of the name of Jesus? Now, I want to talk to you about three domains of godly authority. Three domains of godly authority. This is very important for those of you taking notes. You can download the notes, or we have some hard copies uh, at Trinity Central if you want to grab one at the end of the service, or you can jump online or on the Trinity app and follow along in the notes. But here are three, the three domains of godly authority. Number one, you only have authority to the degree you are under authority. Let's say that together. You only have authority to the degree that you are under authority. What does it mean to be under authority? Look at James chapter 4 and verse 7. Let's read this verse out loud together. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is teaching the importance of having authority over the devil, and it all begins with us being submitted to the authority of God. So first of all, we have to submit ourselves to God. So number one, we have to submit ourselves to God. Then, and only then, after we've submitted ourselves to God, can we, individually and collectively, number two, we can resist the devil, and the result of that, submitting first to God, then we can take a stand against the devil. What will happen is, James said, the devil will flee from you. Instead of like the seven sons of Sceva, they fled from the devil. Instead of you running beaten, bludgeoned, and defeated, the devil will run from you beaten, bloodied, and defeated. (laughs) Big difference. All that happens when you and I are first submitted to the authority of of God. You see, now God is a God of order. Satan is a God, small case G, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He is the God of this world that has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's the prince of the power of the air, as Jesus describes Satan in Ephesians chapter 2. The world's in the mess it's in because it's being ruled by Satan. Hopefully, all of us are being ruled by God. You're either being ruled by God or you're being ruled by Satan. There's nothing in between. What if I don't believe in God and the devil? Then you're definitely being ruled by the devil. I'm just saying, okay? There's only two kingdoms. We'll get to that in our third point. So God's a God of order. Satan is the God of disorder. He's the God of chaos. He's the God of confusion. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Let's read this out loud together. Let all things be done decently and in order. So, all things means all things. All things pertaining to this life, to the next life, 
to every aspect of your life. All things includes your relationships, your marriage, your family, your finances, your business, your decisions. Let all things be done decently and in order. God is a God of decency. There is a appropriate way or a proper way. This word decently means appropriately, properly, and in a orderly fashion. This is how God operates. The systems of God, the laws of God. God is a God of laws, and law rules all. You cannot have a nation without rules or laws that govern that nation. Uh, you, you are always going to be under some version of government or power or of authority, and that's why ultimately you hope that that power and authority is first and foremost submitted to the ultimate power and authority, which is God. And God is a God of decency. God is a God of order. Just look at the universe He created. I mean, how orderly this universe is. Nothing is by accident. Every movement in this universe is precise. Every event is deliberate. Think of all creatures of God's creation, all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the, and the, and the fowl in the sea, or, or the fish in the sea and the fowl in the air, everything that God created is developed and is moving towards a well-defined objective. God's creation is ruled by immutable laws and directed by divine intelligence. Why? Because God does everything in a decent way, in an appropriate way, in a proper way, and in an orderly way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, let's read this out loud together. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So because God's a God of decency and God of order, He has hierarchy of authority. There's a hierarchy of authority, even in the Holy Trinity. One God manifest in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All co-equal, all co-eternal, yet three separate and distinct personalities, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit submitted to the Son, the Son is submitted to the Father. There can be equality in deity, and yet there can be submission in, in personhood, there's unity, but in position, there's submission. You see this in a marriage. The husband is the head of the wife. Position, so per, in, in their personhood, they are equal in the eyes of God. Partners, heirs together of life. But positionally, two heads makes a freak, three a monster. In the home, a husband is the head of the house, even as Christ is the head of the church. And husbands are to love their wives even as Christ loved the church. So to be the head of your house means you're not a dictator, you're not a tyrant, but you are, like Jesus, the chief servant in your home, loving your family like Christ loved the church by laying his life down for the church. So God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches. So that's why everything has to be done decently. There's a proper way to do things. There's an appropriate way. There's a, there's a, uh, a, com a chain of command. There is, are certain lines of communication. Even in the animal kingdom, there's hierarchy because there has to be order. In the kingdom of darkness, there's order, there's hierarchy in the kingdom of darkness itself, or else there'd be mass confusion. Now, this is important because if you're about to make important decisions in your life, 
You never want to make an important decision emotionally. <laughs> Let the emotion die down. You want to make intelligent, rational, logical decisions. When, you, when it comes to making an important, very important decisions in your life, you don't want to just shoot from the hip. You want to pray. You want to be influenced by godly counsel and godly wisdom and led by the Holy Spirit, but never ever make an important decision on an emotional high or on an emotional low. And listen to me. If you're about to make an important decision and you have no peace in your soul, don't make it. Delay it as long as possible. Wait. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Wait until you sense the peace of God. That means you have the backing of heaven behind that decision, and you can be confident that you're about to make the right decision. Satan, on the other hand, he foments chaos and confusion. The sad thing is so many people live in a, in a state of constant chaos and confusion. So many families, they thrive on drama. And if there's not some drama, some family member will instigate drama because they, they live and thrive off of chaos and confusion, and you simply want to be rational and logical and peace, a peacemaker and loving and kind, and they don't want any of that. And they suck you into the vortex of their drama. You need to sometimes detach yourself and learn how to love certain family members by social distancing. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you got to love people at an arm's length. If you get too close, they'll bite your hand off. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Romans 13:1 says this, let every soul, every soul, your soul, my soul, every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Whew. Let me ask you this, who wrote this? Paul, thank you. God through Paul, okay. Uh, who was he writing this to? The church at Rome. Uh, Romans 13.1, that's a dead giveaway. Okay. <laughs> uh, next question, not a trick question. Who were the governing authorities at the time that Paul wrote this? Rome. Was Rome a godly govern government? They were a tyrannical government, but yet they were a government based on laws and to a certain extent, equality, and to a certain extent, some justice. But they weren't perfect. And as corrupt as Rome was at this time, Paul still stated, as Christians, we are to be subject to the governing authorities. Now, does that mean we should always obey? No. Submitted? Yes. Obedience? No. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you the distinction here in just a moment. Now, all authority is delegated authority. In other words, if you have authority as a business owner, as a politician, as a spiritual leader, as a coach, teacher, whatever, supervisor, boss, that authority is delegated. And authority is like a bar of soap. The more you use it, the less you have. <laughs> okay, so use it wisely, all right? And remember, be nice to the people on your way up in life. You know why? Because you're going to see them on your way down in life. It goes both ways. It cuts both ways. So all authority is delegated authority. Here are the different types of authority, some samples. There's God's divine authority, which is supreme. All authority is given to me. All power is given to me, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, both in heaven and on earth. There's authority in the home, as we touched on. Husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians 5, 23, parents are, have authority over their children, not the children over their parents, Ephesians 6, 1. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 1, both Paul and Peter agree that the husband is the head of the wife, and the wife's to be submissive to her, to the servant leadership. 
of her husband. There's civil authority, city, state, and federal. Paul said, we're to, and Peter said, we're to be submissive to the governing authorities, right? There's spiritual authority. Hebrews 13, 17, it says, obey your spiritual leaders because they've been, they have been commissioned to watch over your soul. And you, you're, you're ultimately accountable to God, and you're accountable to them, to God through them, so you're to obey your spiritual uh, authority or your spiritual leaders. But they're not to be your God. You know, ultimately, you have one Lord, and, and, and you have one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate authority in our life. Anytime a lower authority tries to violate a higher authority in your life, you are to disobey the lower authority and always obey the higher authority. I mean, for example, you know, young people, if your mom and dad encourage you to get drunk and smoke dope, <laughs> you say, uh, no thanks, mom and dad. Uh, you know, Jesus wants me to live a clean life and a holy life. Well, we're your parents, and we, we're going to tell you what to do. Say, well, I love you, and I want to be submissive to you, but I, I have to obey God rather than you. If your parents want you to steal and rob and get involved in criminal activity, you, you know, you can love them and honor them and, and in a submissive attitude with them, but you're not to obey them, right? Anytime a lower authority wants you to violate a higher authority, you are always to obey the higher authority no matter what the consequences may be. God's the ultimate authority, right? So when, uh, when government officials say, you can't pray, you can't read your Bible, and you can't gather, we say, well, we're going to obey God rather than man. Thank you very much. Okay? You're not our Lord. We have one Lord. It's Jesus. Okay, so there is a spiritual authority. There's institutional authority. There's private and public spaces. They have their own authority. Schools and businesses, special venues, they have their authority. I mean, Costco, they, that's, that's a private business. And if they want you to wear a mask, if you shop there, guess what? You're going to have to wear a mask. Well, you can throw a tissue and get all uptight, and I don't want to wear a mask, and I don't I think this is all a big fraud, and you know, and, uh, then go shop someplace else. Better yet, go open up your own Costco, and you can have a mask-free shopping if you want. But if you're on their property, and you're going to be uh, a customer in their stores, guess what? They have the authority to tell you to wear a mask, and you have... You have the prerogative to not shop there, right? So private, public spaces, schools, businesses, special venues. You know, if you're, if you're a business owner, remember the old days, you know, the 60s, 70s, right? Uh, they used to have signs outside of businesses. No shirt, no shoes, no surface, right? Because there was like this big movement in the 60s. Just be free, man, you know? Just be free, man. Like no shirt, you know, no shoes. And, like everything recycles, right? And, and there's a big push now, you know, everybody wants to be nude. There's like nude bars and nude, nude spas and nude gyms and nude, every, this whole, I was talking to somebody, they were, they were in Spain on vacation, family vacation, and they went to a beach and everybody there was nude. <laughs> I'm like, put some clothes on, you know? And so, uh, to each their own, I guess. I don't know how I got off on that. <laughs> Do y'all remember what, what, what deviated me? <laughs> <laughs> the Bible does preach about modesties, right? So keep the clothes on. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that somewhere in Spain, out there, Australia, wherever you're at, right? Europe. Okay. Uh, and then there's personal individual authority. Personal individual authority. Uh, in Genesis 1:26, it says that God gave you dominion. God doesn't want you to be dominated. He wants you to have dominion. He wants you to exercise the authority that you have as a creature of God and now under the authority of Jesus as a believer. So we're all 
we have authority to the extent we're under authority. Okay? You have authority to the extent you're under authority. You need to make sure that in your life you have a spiritual authority, a spiritual covering. There's safety in that. Remember a few weeks ago, there was a big hailstorm. We were having an elders meeting. It was on a Wednesday night, and all of our vehicles were in the parking lot, and there's hardly any cover. There was one tree, and I, I, I was the first one to get my Jeep under that tree, right? And boy, the hail came down. Like, they were the biggest, biggest chunks of hail I, I've ever seen since I've been here in Lubbock. And, and all of our vehicles got damaged. Mine had about $5,000 worth of, of damage. And uh, because we didn't have a covering, right? So you know what I did? I jumped on Amazon, and they have this, uh, they have this hail-proof covering. I'm not going to be caught, right? Fool me once, I'm the fool. Fool me twice, you're the fool, right? I'm not going to be caught again without having a covering. And I thought, you know, spiritually, we need a covering when the storms of life come, when the attacks of the enemy come. We need to have a a spiritual... I've always been a man under authority. You see, even though I'm the senior pastor here, I'm under the authority of the board of elders. These other six godly men filled with the Spirit... I, they hire me, they fire me, they set my salary, they're my spiritual guide and counselors and advisors. No major decisions made in this church without the board uh, approving it because they're the governing structure under the headship of Jesus. There's the board of elders. And that's, there's safety in that. I'm not my own man freelancing, doing what I want, when I want, you know, as I want. I'm submitted to authority. So I have authority to the degree that I'm under authority. I heard a great preacher say once, you have to get under what God puts you over or you'll never get over what God wants to put under you. So always be submissive, but you don't always have to be obedient. In Acts 5.29, Peter replied to the authorities that wanted to violate God's law Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. So the point in time may come when you have to respectfully disobey. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were commanded and told, unless you bow at the sound sound of the music, you will burn in Nebuchadnezzar's furnace, they said, we would rather burn in his furnace than bow to his idol. And they, they did. They were thrown in the furnace, and God supernaturally protected them. Always be submissive. Submission's an attitude but not always be obedient. Obedience is an act. Number two, authority is to help and not hurt. Let's say that together. Authority is to help and not hurt. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.8. Let's read this out loud together. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down, so I will not be ashamed of using my authority. So Paul was talking about the spiritual authority that he had as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as the founder of the church at Corinth. He's the one that started the church at Corinth. He, had, he was their spiritual father. He had spiritual influence. He had spiritual authority. But here's what Paul said. Authority is given to us by the Lord, because it's delegated, but our authority is to build you up, not to tear you down. Any of you that have authority, whether it's over one child, over a company, over an employee, or several employees, over a school, any of you that have any authority over any other human being, parents over their children, that authority is never to be abused. That authority is always to be used to build people up and not tear people down. Because ultimately, those that misuse authority will be held accountable by Almighty God. And finally, number three, there's kingdom authority. My friend, there are only two kingdoms in the universe, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. 
You are in one, either one of those kingdoms right now. You're either in the kingdom of darkness, whether you know it or not, or you're in the, you've been translated in the, into the kingdom of God's dear son, which is the kingdom of light through the new birth. Kingdom authority. Now, as a believer in Christ, you have been given authority in the name of Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, out of the Amplified, the last part of that verse says, we're to reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ. We are to reign as kings in life. Turn to your name and say, God's talking to you. You're a king or you're a queen. <laughs> we're, we're to rule as kings or queens in life by one man, Jesus Christ. Once again, it refers to Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and give, let them have dominion. Instead of us having dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and, and, and all that God's created, and we're ultimate stewards of it all. We're stewards. Not to abuse it, but to use it. And there's a difference. Being a steward. Not an owner, but a steward. We're to have dominion. But instead, the things of this world have dominion over us. To be domin dominated by alcohol, or dominated by food, or dominated by gambling, or dominated by entertainment, or dominated by anything makes you a slave to that thing. And as I've said before, a good thing can become a God thing in your life. It's not, many times, not a matter of right and wrong. The Ten Commandments let us know exactly what's evil, what's right and wrong. But sometimes they're the gray areas in life. All things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. Not all things are beneficial. Not all things are helpful to you. Food's for the belly and the belly for food, but God will destroy both, both it and them, Paul said. You just need to make sure that you are in control and not being controlled. You are to exercise dominion and authority over everything in this world. Not to be dominated, but to have dominion. And we're to have dominion or divine authority in at least three areas. Sin, Satan, and sickness. The first one, sin. You are to have dominion over sin. Look at what Paul said in Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Hallelujah. We are no longer slaves to sin. Let's say that together. We are no longer slaves to sin. Say it again. We are no longer slaves to sin. You need to remind the devil the world and your flesh from time to time that you are not a slave to sin any longer. And then verse 12 says, don't let sin control the way you live. Stop it. Don't give in to sinful desires. Oh, but it's so hard. I know. But God has always made a way of escape. And if you can't do it alone, don't go into a fight alone. Take others with you because one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Get others to help you. And ultimately, you will have the victory. Turn to your name and say, you have the victory. Come on, you have the victory. And then you're to have authority over Satan. Don't be afraid of the devil. The devil should be afraid of you. Oh, Pastor, I've had people throughout my years of ministry, I think our house is haunted. Did you let the devil in? Then you can kick him out. <laughs> devil can't get in unless you open the door for him. You know, the Bible says don't give the devil a foothold. Where are you giving? I've been watching The Exorcist. You're, you're going to have problems with demon possession eventually in your life. I can guarantee you that. You don't need to be watching that show. Even the people that filmed that had demon possession problems, okay? There's some things you don't mess with. You have authority over Satan. You're to exercise that authority. Look at Matthew 
Let's read the, this first part out loud together. Get out of here, Satan. That's what Jesus told the devil. Get out of here, Satan. Let's say that together again. Get out of here, Satan. Y'all did better than a lot Saturday night's crowd. How about you online, right? Let's all say it together like we mean it. Get out of here, Satan. Whew. You're feeling fear at night. You know, you're hearing strange noises in your house. You know, you think there's some entity in your room. Just, what do you say? Get out of here, Satan. In Jesus' name, by his shed blood on Calvary, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And he's got to obey you. Devils don't want to be around where somebody's praising Jesus. They, they just don't. But you got to say it with authority. You know, I, I used to work for uh, UPS, and there are times I'd have to go make some deliveries, right? Uh, usually I did uh, delivered air and stuff. But anyway, uh, you know, in, in New Mexico, they don't believe in, in fences for dogs or leashes for dogs. That's one of the reasons I like Texas. <laughs> you know, dogs just run wild. And if a dog is charging you, if you respond, oh no, please don't bite me, he's going to have fun with you. But if a dog, I've done this before, if a dog's charged, stop in Jesus' name. That dog just looks at you like, what? This guy's crazier than me. But I'm telling you, man, you got, you got to say it with authority. You got to say it with power. <laughs> and what if he doesn't stop? Then you better run. <laughs> you better run. That's what you better do. <laughs> and finally, we have, a, we have authority over sin, authority over Satan, and authority over sickness. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15 through 18, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. You don't follow signs. Signs follow you, right? In my name, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost. They will take up serpents. Paul was bitten by a snake in, in the Isle of Miletus, and, and he shook it off, and it didn't harm him. They will drink any deadly thing, and it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. James 5, 14 and 15 says, Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. God has given us authority over sin, Satan, and sickness. Do we always win every battle? Well, no, because we're flawed human beings but we will ultimately win the final war because Jesus will come and defeat once and for all sin, Satan, and sickness. So listen, are you submitted to godly authority? Do you have a submissive attitude? If so, how and where are you exercising the divine authority over the works of Satan, not only in your life, but the life of of your loved ones, your friends, and your co-workers. God has given you authority in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we humbly come before you today, and we just thank you for the lesson that we learn from the Holy Scriptures. May your word find a home in our hearts. May we be doers of the word and not hearers only, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the authority that we have in Christ. May we begin to exercise and use that authority to build people up, not tear people down. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, those of you in person, those of you watching online, if you need to commit or surrender your life to Christ, now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. Or you're here, you need to rededicate your life to Christ. We're going to lead you in a prayer. And if you will say this prayer with your own mouth and mean it from your own heart, for the Bible says, as many as call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. 
Christ will come into your life and change your life from the inside out. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?